0: Hello and welcome back to the Retail Journey Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Charles Greathouse. And I am James Harris. And today we're talking to our very own Todd Rupp. Todd is our Director of Category Growth at High Impact, but we call him affectionately the Todd Father of Category Management.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: Thank How are you, you Todd? Todd, welcome. welcome.
1: Thank you. Welcome to the podcast. Yeah, excited to be
2: here. And uh, yeah, that name I can thank my, uh, my good friend Mark Stamps. Um, he is the one who uh gave me that that. name. yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah,
0: I love, I love it. it fits too, it fits, yeah,
2: well, now, especially with the with beard, beard too absolutely. I think it's going the Todd a father, bit too. yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: so when did you first know that you were going to become the Todd father of category management? you know it's it's funny. I tell a lot of people,
2: um you know, I started off in sales actually. And a lot of people, I think, get exposure to both of them. But there's hmm. very, uh, you know, it's black and white. People really gravitate towards one or the other. And pretty early on, I gravitated towards category. So, you know, that was 20-some-odd years ago. Yeah, I've known a few it.
0: people so. that jump from category to sales. And 18, 24 months later, they're back in category. Yeah. Like, this it's, is where I belong. Exactly.
2: It's a little bit like Northwest <laughs> Arkansas. There's not a lot of gray. You either love it or hate it, I
0: think. Yeah, I love it. So
1: yeah. when you, uh, you think about... What is category management? I mean, we got a lot of folks across the you know CPG land that probably have some kind of idea. We've got lots of folks that probably don't use it. So, how would you describe category management?
2: Yeah, and it's uh, you know I think it's obviously in this market you've got what we we can call the category advisors, right? Category Mm -hmm. captains, and some other parts of it, right? And that's a a very distinct part of category management for sure. For me kind of category management overall right there it really boils down to one thing right like you are understanding how to grow the category right and whether you're yeah. a category advisor or just a category management manager working with your sales team you know your number one responsibility is figuring out how to grow the category regardless of brand regardless of product yeah. um regardless of any of that so you're kind of taking all of that information to figure out, um, you know, how is the, how is the category going to grow? Right. That's ultimately I think what it comes down
1: to. So I've seen uh, as a merchant, a whole lot of presentations that don't talk about the category. And now on this side of the, of the desk, I've seen, you know, planned presentations to merchants that don't talk about the category. So you telling me that putting the category at the center of the growth story or how do you advise someone who's maybe stuck in the lane of like, I'm here to talk about myself and to make sure that my brand is in front of the merchant?
2: Yeah. And it's, you know, you certainly understand, especially with kind of emerging brands and, and, you know, somebody's company, it's their baby, right? Like yeah. they, and it's all they know. It's they want to talk about it and, and they put their heart and soul into it, uh, developed it, right? It's understandable that that's where they want to spend their time talking. Uh, but, you know, really, it's, you know, consumers don't buy products. They mm. buy solutions, right? Yeah. And, mm. you know, you need to think about what unmet need or or what are you meeting, you know, from that consumer's perspective, right? And that's ultimately what you want to try and sell to, to a merchant or anybody is your solution, right? What mm. problem are you solving for that consumer? So it's, you know, that's really important to, to start there, right? And it's also, right, it's really hard to think about, you know, most merchants could really care less, right? Like they're ultimately responsible for the category growth, right? Huh. <laughs> they can care less, whether it's private label, whether it's, you know, your brand, somebody else's brand, or, you know, the combination of all of them, as long as their category is growing. And so if you can come in with that perspective of helping them grow the category, it makes selling it that much easier.
1: I mean, you hit the nail on the head, Todd. As a recovering merchant, which is how I refer to myself <laughs> as a not a merchant yeah. anymore, but always a merchant, um, the easier you make the analogy between what you're doing and how it affects what I'm trying to do as a merchant, which is grow the category, the, the easier it is for me to say, oh, yeah, that would help me accomplish my goal here, uh, which doesn't necessarily have to do with selling your brand. It has to do with solving yeah. my customers' right. problems.
0: Well, nobody comes in or I hope nobody would come into a buyer meeting and say, you need to buy this so I could take share from brands that are already on the shelf. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. you, you needs would to hope. grow the size of the pie.
2: Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
0: <laughs> so um, we talked a lot about Walmart Luminate on here, uh, and it's not specifically a category management tool, but I, I would say it does have category as kind of a, a central focus along with the, the shopper, the customer. Uh, and you've been working with Luminate really, since it came on the market, mm-hmm. right? Um, so let, let's talk a little bit with your time, you know, at previous companies, how you helped, how you worked with those companies to uh, make the transition from decision support to Walmart Luminate.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And it's, you know, it certainly is a is a journey for sure. Um, you know, I like to give Charles a hard time with it that, you know, it was probably launched before it was ready for prime time, right? So there, there were a lot of bugs, a lot of issues with it. And it, it was a major investment, right? For any company, it's a major investment, and and senior leadership wants to see that return on that investment mm-hmm. sooner rather than later, right? Um, for for our team, it was a little bit easier, right? From a from a you know having a big category advisor team, having a team of people that are you know in shopper data on a regular basis, understand those metrics, understand what they're telling them, so. What we saw and what we continue to see today is the category teams pick it up quicker Mm. than the rest of the organization. But the tool was built for the whole organization, right? And so for us, it was really important. We also knew going into it, right, that change management was going to be huge. Mm. People are so used to using retail link for, you know, 20, 30 years, some people, that – a brand new platform, brand new data, brand new interface, right? There was going to be a very, very steep learning curve. And we needed the resources to have somebody that became that subject matter expert really, really quickly. And so, you know, we were we were fortunate that we were able to convince the senior leadership to bring that on board, right? And so we had that. But that is, that's the tough part about, you know, even bringing it on today is just that, like, it's still this massive amount of new data. It's a different platform. The metrics are named different, right? There's all of these Mm -hmm. different things that are, that are coming on board all at the same time. And even the category managers who understand that data, right? They had, you know, 40, probably 50 or sometimes 60 hour a week work weeks already. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And now you're piling that on top of them. Right. And so. It was really important that we, you know, and again, right, getting that adoption from the broader organization was important as well, too. So, first and foremost, right, you got to make sure the data is accurate, mm-hmm. right? And so, that involves a lot of looking at what items are where, does it have all of the items, are items mislabeled, are they in the wrong category, right? Because as you start to pull that data in, if, if you know, all of that stuff is not correct, then what it's spitting out isn't Useless. correct either, yeah. right? And so you know, taking that very kind of foundational approach of like, A, let's make sure the data is correct. Let's make sure, you know, we've got it in a, in a way that we want to analyze the business, which is a whole nother topic, right? From an attribution standpoint of the data. Um, And then, you know, laying out a plan to, you know, how do we bring this to fruition? You know, A, on our local Walmart team, B, on our category team, and then Really importantly with this new data, you know, our corporate team as well, too, because there's a lot of use cases for the corporate team as well, too, whether it's, you know, a a brand management, finance, shopper marketing. Um, There's a lot of information that Luminate brings that is, you know, super valuable to that part of the organization as well, too. But having that plan of knowing that this is going to be a lot of new information and new data and how do we get to where we want to be that's probably the biggest thing I could tell anybody that's kind of stepping into it.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and coming from the CPG side of the business more than, than uh, the retailer, you know, the, the firewall between sales and category management has always been, you know, very clear (laughs) what, what lives on one side and what's not allowed to live on the other side. And while there's still a firewall, there's still information that, that category shouldn't, doesn't share with sales they now, for the first time, have visibility to mostly the same data, mm-hmm. right? So how, do, how, is, how does the the firewall component of this evolve? And are category teams able to start share, talking more with yeah. sales? Yeah,
2: absolutely. And that was, you know, obviously a, a, a big question at my, my last organization as well, too, right? Like, hey, we're, you know, how much of these guardrails are coming down now that we've got, you know, very similar mm-hmm. um, views of that? And I would say... You know, absolutely. the the traditional guardrails and firewalls and and you know the curtains right are still there, right? Everything you know, discussions you have with with the buyer as right. an advisor, um, You know, innovation that's coming. You know, all of that stuff that traditionally has been behind the firewall is still there. Now, you know, relatively, you know, over the last several years, right, the introduction of syndicated data and, you know, Circana and Nielsen, you've got visibility to that mm-hmm. category information too. This is the first time though, right, where you've got Walmart specific yeah. shopper information yeah. on your category, understanding what those shoppers are doing for your sales organization and your category organization and your, you know, broader organization as well too, right? So- I think the conversations are certainly going to change, and they should change, right? And I think – I don't know if that was ultimately Walmart what they wanted, right? But I think they understand that that can bring a lot of value
0: to Mm. them as well, too. Especially if your power users are on the category side, like even if just from training and facilitation of how to use the the new tool.
2: Absolutely. And I think it's also – Right. There's going to be this expectation now, though, as well, too, on the sales team going back to this, right? Selling from a category perspective. Yep. You now have all of this Mm. category information again goes back to what are you know, how is your product helping me grow that category? And you can bring those, you know, shopper metrics and and shopper information into the conversation. Um, and I think that's going to become the norm now in a lot of the, you know, line reviews and conversations with the merchants as they start to get more familiar with it as well too.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. We've seen it. Um, areas of the store where you, you can't show up to a line review without having a clear customer centric point of view. As you walk in, and for for Walmart, that currency, that knowledge base is the Walmart Luminate system.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's certainly going to be become more and more the standard, right? And then come March, right? Like it is the currency as uh, well, too, right? Fair,
1: it's, fair point. Yeah. Um, we're recording this, and it's eighty seven days until March first. Um, it yes. is uh, Taylor Swift's boyfriend's number. Um, <laughs> 19 days till (laughs) till Christmas. Maybe I should be counting that uh, more so. Um, You know, you've got the Luminate Basic, Luminate uh, Charter. Primarily, we've been talking about Charter. Mm -hmm. Correct. Because Basic is kind of like DSS, but less. Some things that are a little
0: bit more, but different. Correct. Um, Very different. Very different. So looking at uh, shopper behavior specifically, um, there's 22... Reports mm-hmm. that so what are some from your experience? You've I think you've probably been on the using side of it more than than Charles or myself. What are some of the best practices that you've kind of uncovered uh, around shopper behavior? Yeah,
2: I think uh, the first one is probably right, and it's kind of the report that that gets used a lot is the performance and detail report, and that you know really gives you that true picture of the channel breakout of your business, right? That we really really yeah. haven't seen before. And so that really becomes a great tool to kind of understand, you know, on an ongoing basis, what's driving your business, you know, which channel, what products in that channel, Um, you know, again, you can get into, you know, the type of customer in that channel on mm, that yep. product is driving that. Right. Yep. So very, very detailed, um, you know, really good understanding of that, you know, kind of. And I don't like this word, right? But omni perspective, right? And, and where the growth is really coming from and where mm-hmm. you might want to focus. Um, and then obviously, you know, with, with the loss of, you know, some of the, the market basket data that we've been used to in DSS, right? You've got, you know, much more. Rich, deep understanding mm. of that basket um, and shopper behavior as well, too. So understanding, you know, who that customer is, what they're buying, uh, understanding, you know, where they might be switching to, where their loyalties are. Uh, the, you know, assortment deep dive, which is a portion of shopper behavior as well, too, is, you know, that could be a whole nother podcast, right? The amount mm-hmm. of information that is in that, like, if you just, if you just spent your first six months, like really understanding how to leverage that, that could be immense, mm-hmm. right? oh, Yeah. a uh, huge, huge benefit there. And that gets back to, you know, not just understanding what the sales are of your competitive items, but the incrementality, the substitutability, right? Those kind of things mm-hmm. um, really, you know, start to paint some pictures that you haven't had, you know, visibility to before now, you know, best, you know, your best customer, right. Is a, is an interesting report mm-hmm. uh, that you can, you can dive into that as well too. And then it's also about, you know, uh, the, the customization, right? And I think that's something that people don't really understand about the tool as well, too. Um, Charles and I have talked about this a lot, right? It's, it's very much customizable, which is great on the one hand. And then also kind of a pain in the butt on the other one, right? Where you can get, you know, super, super detailed and get to any level that you want to, but you have to put in the effort. To yep. create those yep. customizations, whether it's attributions, whether it's creating custom groups of items. And it's got to be done stores. right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and maintained. Right. Yeah. Uh, so super, super, uh, you know, complicated from that perspective. Uh, but you know, again, it's, it just, it depends really, you know, I tell everybody as well too, like you can't just open up shopper behavior and look at the reports and start pulling reports and I need to find an insight. You gotta start with a fundamental business question, right. right? That you're trying to understand, whether it's about your shopper, a competitor shopper, the Walmart shopper in general. And then what you'll find is you'll dig into one report and that will generate some more questions mm. that you wanna go try and find the answer to.
1: What are some of those questions? So I mean, think back, Todd Father, to the old Todd Father days where you didn't have access to Illuminate and there's questions where you wanted to be able to ask and you could potentially get your way there with some panel work, but you knew full well the merchant was going to look at you and be like, okay, yeah, like super neat. Yeah. That someone else's customers think this. Um, So what are some of those questions that were like just itching? I don't want to, you know, get into any sort of, Two specific of yeah. examples from the past, so you can't maybe talk specifically to. But what are those questions that you've always wanted to ask that now people actually can if you're a trader client?
2: Yeah, well, and and I think it is, you know, you know who is that, you know, and that is I get back to that is because it's a really unique report. Is that the best customer report, yes. right? And understanding, right, because that is. That is a person that's not only potentially super valuable to your category, but is also super valuable to Walmart, you know, in general.
1: Right. And yeah. so
2: if you can dive into your portfolio and understand that, you know, a significant portion of your portfolio, that that. You know, Walmart best customer is, you know, super loyal to you, whether it's your brand or or some segment of your business, like that's super powerful, right? In conversations, not only with the merchant, but at some senior levels uh, with Walmart as well too, right? So, I think, you know, we never really understood, you know, how valuable, you know, even an item, let alone a category or subcategory might be to Walmart consumers, shoppers in general. Well, you Mm -hmm. can absolutely find that out now. And then I think the other thing for me is... You know, you're always wondering about incrementality of, yep. you know, line extensions and stuff you're bringing in and where is the source of, of volume coming from? Are you just swapping paint? Mm. Um, are you bringing new customers into the category, right? Going back to, you know, are you growing the category? Or are you just, you know, trading paint with, with your competitors? Never really could get to that at the level that we have, right, at Walmart. To your point, there's some other data sources that you can use to to help understand that. But, right, when you've got Walmart-specific data, Walmart sales, right, they're showing you you're either bringing in new customers or they're just going to you from another brand in the category and it's not growing the category. Mm -hmm. That's a level that we've never, you know, been able to get to as well.
1: It's so fun to get to those things that you've just never been able to get to. Yes. Uh, before I know, there's a lot of folks out there. You know, 87 uh, days until everyone's forced to make a change, um, and then deciding between okay, do I, do I basic this or do I yeah? I step mm-hmm. into the world of charter. Um, there are a lot of uh, possibilities with with charter access. Um, as you think about people in that spot trying to make those decisions, what are, what are some of the things that come to mind uh, from your experience to help them? kind of decide where and how how do we go next?
2: Yeah, yeah, it's uh and that's a that's a tough one, right? And there's yeah. there's a lot of organizations that are struggling with that question right now, right? Um you know, I think ultimately, right, um companies, every company should be working towards becoming much more data driven in general, mm-hmm. right? Um so, you know, I think you should ask yourself that question first, right? Like yep. how data-driven are we as an organization today, right? Because, you know, you don't want to make that investment if you don't have, you know, A, the resources, B, the tools, um, you know, to help leverage it, right? Mm-hmm. The second thing I would say is, you know, how do we plan to use it again, right? Like this, it, it's not a silver bullet. Um, you have investments probably in some other data sources that, Unfortunately, you can't make the trade off for, right? Um, you know, I like to tell people that you have to do a lot of triangulation, right. We had We had several examples in 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 the past where we would use it. Um, but we needed kind of that external data point, whether it was a market perspective, whether it was a share loss to a specific competitor, right? to be able to to show them exactly what we were talking about, right? Like this product and the data is telling us this. And oh, by the way, it's playing out in the market. This competitor is growing share Mm -hmm. because you aren't carrying this item, right? Like direct correlation. So super, super powerful um, information. And so you can't just make a trade-off between syndicated data and Walmart Luminate data, right? And so as you start to think about, you know, what types of data do we want to have? How does our organization operate those are the types of questions that I would be thinking about. And, and the other thing to keep in mind is, you know, you may have competitors that are in it as well, too. And like I like, you know, or like I told my old organization as well, too, like, I who knows what they're bringing to them, right, wrong or indifferent. Right. They're bringing them something. <clears throat> yeah. And I want to be able to either, you know, corroborate or refute what they're bringing to them. And if you don't have that access, you won't be able to do it. But again, it's you know the the worst thing you can do is is think that you know I'm gonna purchase this data we're gonna we're gonna generate a bunch of insights with what we have today and how we operate like that's probably the wrong way to go mm. right if you're willing to make the commitment to put in the effort to you know get the resources to change maybe the way your company functions with shopper data, then yeah, absolutely. It's something you should be thinking about for sure. Uh, and then again, right. You, you know all about this as well, Charles too, just kind of the size of your business, how they're priced. Um, those are all things to consider as well too, whether it, you know, well, it it makes a ton of sense for you to do it or not.
1: Yeah. 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 Good counsel, wisdom from experience. Some of that, uh, learned. I'm sure you had plenty of, uh, Leaders looking at you, wondering if you found the silver bullet yet? <laughs> right. um, yeah. Day two yeah. of access. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Did you find and, it? Yeah.
2: And you know, we. I mean, we talk with with customers that have you know recently signed up with it as well too, and they're, you know, they're all under immense pressure, right, to understand the value of this data and and the value that they're investing in, and, yeah. um, you know, understandably, right. But it's also, you know, if you if if you're doing business as usual and just you know write a check for this data, like. Yeah, it's going to be really hard to see
1: a return on the That's a great point. I I mean, I like that because you, over your career, you've probably spent or argued to spend, solicited the funds to spend an enormous amount of money for data Mm -hmm. from many different sources. So just to elevate a bit from Walmart Luminate to like paying for data, being data-driven. Where's the
0: value in data? How do you coach someone who's maybe even not tried to solicit? Well, money they, for data so or, they're, many, or they're finding themselves needing to buy it for the first time That's yeah. why and where and, why? And, and
2: there's so many organizations right and, and typically it's the bigger ones too right that it's just like they want to get their hands on everything right because they understand data so right? more is data is, or, the, yeah. is the thing yeah. just more, more, data. more data more data right and, and not understanding ultimately what the end objective is of that data ah. gets back to again right having the right resources right it's you know I kind of think of it as a pyramid, right? Like data is the foundation information, kind of that next level. And then actionable insights Mm. is, you know, kind of the, the peak of that pyramid. And, If you're only focused on that foundation of, like, just as much data as we can get, you're never going to get to that top of, you know, what are the actionable insights, right? Yeah, data is
0: just numbers until you do something with it. Correct, right? (laughs)
2: And it's, you know, so taking that data, putting it in information, which is, you know, cleansing it, you know, attributing it, putting it in the ways that you can, and then you know, analyzing it and getting to that, you know, actually, you know, action oriented insight. Yes. um, That's, that's where it's really important. Right. And so
1: the, so what the action. Yeah. Cause we've seen so many firms that are the person who owns the action, who has a full plate, Mm -hmm. you know, that 60 hour a week workload as it is today now has added an enormous amount more data doesn't have, the transformation from that data to information right and doesn't have capacity for any additional action right that's going to be a very bad ROI
2: exactly yeah <laughs> exactly and it's um you know again it gets you know and then it's you're going to you know,
1: need a bigger pyramid right
2: yeah <laughs> you know and then it's you know it's certainly not that individual's fault right and it's 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 not the uh you know the person that's in that data uh, or not in the data because they're doing their day to day job and, and what they were expected to do. Right. And so it's either bringing on that additional resource or, you know, finding some way to help that individual yeah. get to that level that they need to get to.
0: That makes sense. Uh, let's go a little bit different um, approach here. I feel like we've talked a lot about sales teams' uses of Walmart Luminate. So, mm-hmm. how would you look for this item or this shopper or this? Um, what are some of the things that category, especially on the advisor side, yep. um, what are they looking at in order to bring full category scope recommendations at say the beginning of a line review cycle?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, again, get back to it. Like it, it's not significantly different from what the sales team is looking at, right? Because it's really or should, be, data. Lo- should be looking yeah. at, right, from a category perspective, right? Um, but the the big kind of thing that it brought to the table was – And I go back to that kind of assortment deep dive as well too, right? Like you're, that's exactly what, you know, the internal team at Walmart was using to kind of bring to the merchants, right? At at a line review of understanding, right? You know, the, the priority order of items, right? Mm -hmm. Which there's a lot that goes into that. And then, you know, you take that science and then mix that with a little bit of the art of understanding Mm -hmm. the category and the shopper, right? But, that was a huge kind of benefit to the, to the category advising side of the business, right? Because we spent, we get back to it, right? Like, you know, uh, assortment tools and all these other things, right? As, as the advisor, you wanted to be seen as, you know, thought leadership and, and bringing the merchant the best information about their assortment and their category, uh, this makes that a lot easier from a Walmart perspective. Um yeah. One caveat to that, right? Again, though, is that you're missing that you know broader market perspective, right? right? So again, it goes back to it's not it's not the end all. You be still needs you, you, you still need still to see need, what's happening right, in grocery, what's going another. out there, right? But from a Walmart specific perspective, like it it saved a ton of time of understanding, you know, the assortment in the category, what truly is incremental. What is substitutable? Mm. What can I potentially delete? And then running those scenarios as well, too, to see, you know, hey, I'm thinking about deleting this segment entirely. Like, what is that going to do to my business, right? Mm. Uh the, The tough part of that is, you know, you obviously, it's only as good as the data that goes in it. And so what you're planning on bringing in from an innovation and new item perspective, it's only as good as what your assumptions are of, you know, those sales rates and those sales velocities. But it's It's a great place for us to start and really saved a lot of a, a lot of work as well too. Clustering is another one, right where you can kind of look at you know store groupings in a different way than you have in the past. Mm-hmm. And that was always kind of a big big uh, you know line item or topic with a merchant as you were going through a line item or a line review of understanding like a do I need to change clustering B? How are they performing? What would we do differently based on on new information or new data? So that was huge as well, too. And then, you know, again, I go back to it. Even as category advisors, we didn't truly have a multi-channel, you know, vision of the category. We now have that and are able to make those recommendations to the merchant as well, too, and understanding, you know, what segment, what, you know, items might be working better in one one channel versus another.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. So there's a lot of folks that don't have a category team that don't maybe deploy category management. Now they've heard from the Todd father and they know they need category management. <laughs> uh, or at least they, they like the idea, the concepts of yeah. of what that looks like. Is there a, is there a, like, where do you start? How do you start getting category management as a practice yeah. into the core of your business if it's not been a muscle it's existed for a long time?
2: Uh Man, that's a that's a million-dollar question. Uh, and Besides that's, that's, hiring the Todd Fowler. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And that's – I mean, that's a really tough one too, right? Because it is uh, – you know, it's certainly not something that happens overnight. Like it has to be a fundamental shift in the entire organization of understanding what it means to, to go to market with a category growth mindset, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, there, there are companies that, that I think are continuing to work in that direction. And I think, you know, moving, you know, in the right direction for sure. But ultimately it goes back to again, too, right? I, I talk about it that, you know, people don't buy products, right? They buy solutions. Yep. And, you know, from a category perspective, it's, it's all about starting with that in mind and understanding the needs of that shopper the needs of the consumer, right. Whether, you know, it's understanding human behaviors, human, you know, (laughs) needs um, you know, that's where it all really starts. Right. And then uh, you know, where your product and your offering and your portfolio fits into meeting those uh, that's kind of where the rubber hits the road. But ultimately, if you're, if you're not building the entire organization on, on that level of thought into how we're going to grow this business, um, it's It's really, really difficult. And well there's so, a,
0: there's a serious level of intentionality needed there. So yeah, when I was a sales analyst at Unilever, um, and I was getting ready to move to another retailer to move into category management. I was put into a like a one week category management training thing. And my understanding of it at the time was drawing mods. Mm-hmm. Like I, I yeah. so I'm. I'm way, We're halfway through the first day. So where's where's You're the JDA? Where's the, You're not alone. Yeah, in that yeah, and, and that was the first yeah. exposure I had to like a decision tree, a switching tree. Mm-hmm. A, yeah. Um, a, Gap analysis—the way to kind of break down a category—and it really is a whole universe of selling tools mm-hmm. that's out there. Well, if anything, more than a more than a mod, more
1: than any of the specific tools, it's almost a cultural bent. Mm. Yeah. To as you look at the customer, understand the the root behind. I think that's why I'm drawn to some of the emerging brands that we work with. Where like they may not call it category, but their entire ethos is around. Customers have this problem, and they have all these compensating behaviors, and they're they're uh, compensating. They're they're taking a second rate choice because the solution doesn't exist. So we built the solution, right? Like, right. well, that's a category yeah. management. The, t- the management.
2: tough part is is teaching them how to sell that without
1: and now, injecting
2: their brand correct. into everything. Right? And
1: then, because <laughs> if you say that the overall is true, and then we happen to meet it, it's mm-hmm. it's it's going to stand the test of time. Right. Mm-hmm. And then there's even. You know, almost organizational design element to how you approach category as a as a company. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, it's
2: it's it's and it's crazy. And I think I I showed you guys something that I, you know I've known this all along as well too. But I sent you that you know you can look at it and you know five five different options right. And one of the options is yeah. You know, walk through this the, use case. Ca- I love this. Yeah, the category is up you know ten percent, but your brand share is down five percent. Is one of the options like. If you were planning for that, would you choose that, right? You brand manager or, you know, VP of sales, right? Like, would that be your choice? Probably probably nine out of 10 are going to say no, right? Well, you do the numbers, right? And over a five-year period, if the category grew that much and you lost that much share, it's probably about 30% more dollars in your pocket for (laughs) the brand than almost the other way around, right? If you grew your share 10% and the category was, you know, down 5%. You're gonna lose yeah. a lot more money, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's it, it puts it very, very plainly, right? And that's you know something we should think about right? Of we'll link it in like, the notes. Yeah, you talk below. about uh, you know talking to somebody, an emerging brand or somebody or a company right of like, you know, Charles, why, why are you tell like why do I have to sell the category? like this is my product, right? Well, here's why, right? Mm-hmm. Like you could grow all this share, right? If the category doesn't grow, your bottom line is, is going to look yep. worse than, you know, working on figuring out how to grow that category. Right. And so it's, a, to me, it's a little bit of an eye opener and like, it's, you know, I've worked at, at some really big branded companies. Right. And and there's a lot of, a lot of times we felt like, you know, Hey, what, what can we produce at a really high profit margin now? Where are the insights to support it? Mm. Right. And so that's right. the that's the last place you want to be.
1: Cart right? before horse,
2: and and trying to sell to to a merchant or any retailer, let alone Walmart, right? uh and so you know again it goes back to kind of you know creating that mindset around you know category growth and and generating products that meet those those needs and that you know human understanding of you know where is this you know product fit in from that perspective yeah. versus uh you know hey they're looking for new flavors like i love uh, it that's not where you want to be.
1: Yeah,
0: I love Differenti- just differentiation without it being better is just something different. <laughs> Correct. Yep. yep.
2: Or or meeting a need that's yep. not currently being met. Yep. Right.
0: Right. All right. Ready for lightning? All right. Oh boy. So what are you? What are you reading? Or what have you been reading here lately? Uh,
2: you know, I've actually podcasts are yeah. my new new thing, yeah. right? Um, and one of the one of the ones I really love is, uh, his name is Jeff Lerner, and it's called Unlock Your Potential. Um, and he's got a really great story. Uh, he dropped out of high school. He became a jazz musician for about 10, 15 years. Um, you know, got to, he worked, and he lived in Houston at the time. And so he got to work in, like, the owner of the Houston Astros and the owner of the Texans. That's like, he'd cool. do their dinner parties, right? But that's how he got his network. Um, and so now he he owns a company, it's um, called the Entree Institute, and it's uh, basically helping people become entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs, uh, people that are already entrepreneurs, how do they help them kind of get to that next level? But it's also about just understanding like every individual has, uh, you know, probably this untapped potential that mm. they don't really understand. And mm. so that's been a, a really cool one to to kind of get hooked on. And um, he has some really, really interesting guests.
1: I love it. Yeah. Um, next one's a zinger. You know, What's the biggest retail failure that you've uh, either been a part of, I think, or seen? Because I'm sure you've got some stories yeah. of like, oh, yeah, that didn't go the way we thought it would. Um, oh, man. I yeah, and I... I got to be careful with that one. I don't, I don't
2: want to throw anybody under the bus on that one for sure. Um <laughs> well, the bus is backed it. over a lot of people. But I, I, I will, I will broaden it to kind of get back to what we were talking about, right? Where I think, I think the organization thought we were. Creating a category driver and understanding what the need was. It
1: started with innovation.
2: Yeah, exactly. Started with the product Um, we're going to sell. And, and yeah, it it got back to and, and it just
1: did not work. Yeah,
2: Um, a lot, a lot, right, a lot of things as well, too, right? And it's also, um, you know, the, the price point was probably the biggest one of that. And, uh, you know, for whatever reason, I'm not sure exactly sure why the price point was where it was. Um and I will tell you that it was in kind of the nap, you know, kind of better for you, natural, yeah. you know, kind of that kind of thing where it was like, oh, that's the trend and like, well,
1: mm. did we
2: really understand yeah. what again, going back to that human need and want and, oh, yeah. and was Well, there were a,
1: lots of launches yeah. around that time that were better for you, natural, mm-hmm. premium, you know, organic kind of a thing and they all failed and then there was this resounding message of like, yeah, customers care. They're just not willing to pay more for it. Right. Um, yeah. And that was spread across Walmart very quickly. Exactly. Like, yeah. It's yeah. great, but yeah. Some Which gets,
2: gets back to the, you know, there's so much too in the, and, and I, I love primary research. Um, it's certainly a, a great tool, right? But, getting back to it, you know, luminate versus like what they actually do. Yes. Versus what they yes. say, right? In a in a primary research. Like that is is super powerful and and you know, hopefully organizations start to use that as yeah. well too, right? Prior to launching something that, you know, maybe a focus group tells them it's the it's the next greatest thing. Yep. Go back and look at kind of their shopping habits and you use the one. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. Tell it I have your a made up story. Right? I'm like, sorry to <laughs>
1: This this just in hot take, I've yeah. made this story up the whole time. Yeah. From the beginning of uh founding data ventures and tel- the whole time I've made this story up of um because so customer perception, the primary research tool within Walmart Luminate, uses actual purchase history, which is incredible because self-reported purchase history is can be um inflated from a number of reasons. And so it's like you know, you may say you're an organic or a natural consumer and we totally believe you. That's great. And you buy double stuffed Oreos twice a month. And that's fine. You know? And if you're Mondelez, like you don't yeah. have to stress, there's no organic Oreo. because double stuffed Oreos are the right Oreo. Like, yeah. try to prove me that single stuff is better and like I've got an argument and I'm ready to I'm ready to have it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But either way, Oreos they don't have to worry about. Right. Because even the organic consumer understands what they're getting into, and it's delicious.
2: Yes, exactly. But uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of times, what they say versus what they do, yeah.
1: mm. do not align. Or even how you see yourself, <laughs> of like, hey, that's super great. You buy all only healthy food, like, great. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, exactly. And you purchase history, so yeah,
0: it's fine. <laughs> and I, I know a little bit of the answer to this one, but um, what do you do to relax? What are your hobbies?
2: Uh yeah, you definitely know this one. So fishing is uh the biggest one. Um any any type. I mean, I
1: definitely, you know, he offers up, the lure the fish can't refuse.
2: Yeah, grew, grew up in Colorado, uh so did a lot of fly fishing as a kid. Still love it. It's probably my my top one. Um, and a lot of people don't know, like, we live in a fantastic area mm-hmm. for fly fishing. Um, you know, the tailwaters, you know, might not be the, the, you know, native, you know, Colorado high mountain stream, but, um, you know, you go over below Bull Shoals Dam and, like, it's a world-class trout mm-hmm. fishery yep. and the two biggest fish I've caught in my life are over there. Uh, mm-hmm. and so it's fantastic, but, um, yeah, love fishing. Uh, love being outside, you know, hiking, um, you know, wish I was more of a mountain biker, uh, given Charles and, and the team. We could fix uh, that. Yeah, exactly. I, uh, it's, it's like, I tell everybody though, it was like, it used to be golf. Right. But it's like, if I get four hours right, right. away from my family, I'm going to I'm go fish, right. As opposed to go, go golf. Um, that's what I'm, what, what I'm doing. But, um, you know, we'll see, I've, you know, we're about to, to lose the, the second one, um, to college. So we'll just have one at home and I don't expect to get a lot of more free time that's for sure uh but you, you never know but yeah fishing for sure um, and then you know anything outdoors you know
1: love it yeah so what's your uh, 2024 theme
2: oh man man yeah I guess we're at that time of year right where you start yeah. to think about that I unfortunately haven't start to started to think about that's that great. but I think I think for me is it's uh it, you know for you know and I've got so I've got three kids, right, one in college already, one about to go in college, and then, you know, one in junior high. Um, and it's it's amazing how different they all can be, right? Mm-hmm, but, mm-hmm. you know, one of the big things for me is, is uh, you know, just the being consistent with something and trusting the process of what you're doing. And yeah. so for me... I think it is um you know this is you know coming up on a year here at high impact mm-hmm. as well too but um it's it's been an interesting year for sure too right but oh, yeah. I think it's important to trust the process right yeah. and what we've been building to um so for me I think that could be a pretty good theme in in 2024 yeah.
0: the analogy that explains 23 the best to me is changing the wings on the aircraft while we're in the yeah. air. Yeah, like, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Right. And it's, I mean, that's, you know, this market is, uh, we start, we, we tried to, you know, preempt that with a lot of people and, and you know, tell them what we thought might be happening. And, and 2024 is going to be one where it's, we'll probably still be doing a lot of that as yep. well, too, but it will be an actual reality. So yep. that yep. will be, uh, trust the process, I guess, yep. right? Trust yep. the process. Here we go.
0: Well, thanks so much, Todd. It's been great uh, great talking to you today. Yeah, thanks, absolutely.
2: Todd. I appreciate it. Thank you, guys.
0: Thank you. And thank you for uh, listening. As always, you can check out all of our podcasts on our website at highimpactanalytics.com, Apple Music, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you.